I think that last stanza has a lot to say if we'll listen to the words of it. Every day comes with new assurance. Each day we live, we ought to be grateful. We ought to feel blessed. We ought to feel enriched that God sent his son to die for our sins. He's given us a life that is beyond description. Thinking as time unfolds in our lives and we find out when you look back how quickly time has gone. Well, you go back and you think about the time you first became a child of God. And then you follow yourself down through the years. And I'm sure in the lives of all of us, there have been some very joyous occasions. And there have been some that may not have been quite as joyous. But somewhere down through it all is that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. He's seen me through. You can look back and what you may have seen as bad as a way of working out and enriching life. And overall, we ought to see the richness that we have in Christ Jesus. Hand in hand with Jesus, we sing. And ours is to realize we are to walk with him hand in hand. And oftentimes, or sometimes, he may lead me in ways I prefer not to go. And I need to remind myself, it's I that do not want to go. But if God is leading me, and Jesus is holding my hand, I have nothing to fear. Whatever it is that I face, I have nothing to fear. And I need that in the life that we live. So I can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. And what a peace he gives to us. A perfect peace. Without thought, no one cared for me like Jesus. Of how much he's enriched our lives. Realize how much he's changed our lives. Again, time to time, and I remind you, trying to help us, if you will, to to catch just how much he's worked within our lives. Again, to consider just for a brief moment all that has gone on just to make your coming together this evening possible. All the years and all the lives that have been touched, all the things that have gone on in life, all the lessons we've learned, all of that bearing on the fact that we have gathered together here this evening. Prayerfully it is because this is where we want to be. It's not where we have to be, it's where we want to be. You look at the life of Paul, and again you see it reflected a little bit in the book of Philippians. I've often said as you read the book of Philippians, it would appear that this ought to have been a letter 
that they would write to the Apostle Paul rather than Paul writing to them. When you understand his physical circumstance, being in a Roman prison, maybe facing death, that he would write such a letter is almost beyond comprehension. To gone through the battles that he had gone through, been given that thorn in the flesh that would not be removed or would not, God would not remove it, and simply tell him that his grace was sufficient for him, that he would write a letter that the main theme throughout it is rejoice. But we read in the reading this evening, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. We look at our lives, we have to be able to see that. We've all dealt with difficulties, we all dealt with disappointments within the Lord's body. We've all seen those that we've loved and we cherished, either gone on to the rewards, we've seen those that we've loved and we cherished, we've seen them depart from the faith and go back into the ways of the world. And so the challenge is always there, but again, this background of Paul in writing, you ought to be able to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, looking one day to be able to see him face to face and understand why. Why did he love me so? And why did he care so much throughout my life? Why was he always there at times when I may not have been as close to him as I ought to have been? Rejoice in the Lord always. Anything else is only temporary. It doesn't matter what it is. It does not matter how long it is. Whatever else we face is only temporary. At times we need to remind ourselves of that. There's no burden that we carry that is forever. Everything is only temporary. The Lord is forever. Rejoice in that, for what we have in Him. And again, I will say rejoice. To understand that we have, as you discussed down here, we have this peace with God that really is what makes it all possible for us to live the life here. Paul, in writing to the Romans in the fifth chapter, Therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have access by faith and to this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have a peace with God. No way to fully comprehend that one either. You catch, it, you catch glimpse of it in the Old Testament and the New as well. We catch glimpse of it periodically in a world in which we live and we catch a little bit concerning the power of God and the in, a, in creation that he's made. Nature, the devastating power that it can wield in a very short period of time. And understand that that is just what he's created. What would it be like 
to be under the wrath of the power that stands behind what he has created. And then to know that we, have, we can have peace with that being. Peace. There's no fear. It's what we strive for, to be able to have peace. And to know that we can have that with God if we put, put our trust in Him. A little bit later in that fourth chapter of Philippians, in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what gives us what we are able to do. It's what enables us to sustain our lives as we go through this world. It's what enables us to deal with the ups and the downs that we encounter. It enables us to deal with the ups and the downs of physical life, spiritual life, human beings who are weak, human beings that are frail, human beings that fall short of where they ought to be. We have a peace, and through Christ we can deal with it all. We may look at one another and we get flustered at times, if you will, but it's the peace that we have with God that enables us to continue on and to realize that through Christ, we can do whatever it is that needs to be done. Through Christ, we can lay aside this physical. It's hard for us to do because we walk around with it all the time. We're, we're affected by the physical. We, we react to it. But to know that life is more than just this helps us in a life that we're striving to live. I mentioned in the lesson this morning out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, about the promise that God has given to us. That there's nothing that you face but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and just. I said I love that phrase. God is faithful and just who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able. But will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will provide. God has provided. The longer you live, the more you ought to be able to relate to that, if you will. The longer you live, you ought to be able to look back at things in your life and see what it was. The poem is still around, and many of you have it around as well, the footprints in the sand. And how many times do we react the way that the, the poem is depicting it? How many times have we thought to ourselves, why, God, have you left us in our darkest hour? Only to find out God never left us. Those were times that God really sustained us and carried us. How many times have I heard individuals state, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I cannot take it any longer. And to find out, yes, you can, and you have. We continue on by the grace of God. We continue on by the strength that God gives. That ought to enrich our lives. That ought to enable us to cherish more and more who Christ is and what he has in store for us in heaven. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. How much we need that within our lives. 
one of those things. I'm glad I get to correct what I wrote down here. I got the wrong scripture. Because that one don't look right. So I'll go back to Philippians 2 and drop down to verse 15. 14, I know you, 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 you love and you cherish and you apply that very well in your life. Do all things without complaining and disputing. None of us have a problem with that one. Verse 15, why? That you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The life you live shines as a light in this world. How does your light shine? How brightly does it shine? And again, the purpose of lighting, as in the building this evening, the purpose of lighting is not to draw attention to itself. The, attention, the purpose of lighting is to dispel the darkness in order that the job can be done that needs to be done. That's what we are to the world. We're not drawing attention to ourselves. The world will never know your influence. And what you've been able to do. You never know what you've done. Again, you go back to Abraham's discussion with the angel of the Lord about Sodom and Gomorrah. And you hear Abraham plead with the city. If he could find 50 righteous souls and he comes down to 10 righteous souls. And I... Doesn't state, but it's, so it's just a speculation. But I just have a feeling when he gets down to the ten righteous souls, Abraham's praying for his family, for his nephew Lot and their family. Isn't that what we do? Do we not spend time praying for our family? Lord, grant them time. Give them an opportunity to make a change. That's what he's really praying. Would you spare the cities? And if he had spared the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, would they have ever recognized, realized why they had been spared? And I said that about America. If God spares America because of the righteous souls that are in it, will America ever acknowledge that? Will they ever realize that we have been spared as a nation because of righteous souls? And how many would it take? And I've often said, I do not know how many it would take. I pray there's enough, and I pray that we're among that number. But would they ever know? We never know the power that God has in working his will out in our life. But we're to be the light to the world. We're to let our light shine that the world may see God in us. Recognize that the Lord is at hand. It's amazing when we read about understanding the closeness of the Lord and how he is near us. I think about Paul and, and the, on Mars Hill in, in Acts 17. And you look at verse 26 and through 28, Acts 17. He's talking to those who had been worshiping an unknown God. 
And he says, those that you worship in ignorance, I want to declare unto you. And there are many today who claim some acknowledgement of a supreme being, have no idea of who he is or what he may be doing, but they will petition him to some degree. And this is what they were doing, worshiping this unknown God. But he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. God has already set things in motion. There's already boundaries that are there, as he did with creation, as he did with the sea. He told the sea, you will come in this far, and that's as far as you will come. There's boundaries out there. And he set the boundaries for us. And he's made of all of the one, uh, from one blood, one, one nation. That they should seek the Lord and the hope that they may grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. He set this world into motion in order that we might learn to seek him. And you listen to people. Disaster strikes, you hear the name of God. Sometimes it's asking why, sometimes it's cursing him. But there's, a, there's an acknowledgement going on that there is something greater than us on this earth. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to know that he's there. We may grope for him, the world may grope for him, even though he's not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. So as some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. There's an understanding that we are to seek him, but he's not far. He's given us the evidence. He's given us the awareness that he's there. For Christians, we have seen it and need to have seen it in our lives. Of how much he's been there in our lives. I was thinking this morning as the announcement was made about the, the birthdays today. It also would have been the birthday of one of my nephews. I was there in Oklahoma City when he was born 50 years ago. And I'm thinking, whoa, where has the time gone? I mean, where did it go? Uh, he had two older brothers, and I babysitted them when my sister went to the hospital to have the youngest son. And I thought about down through the years as well. Uh, when our first daughter was born and we were told she would have a short life, now, Pat, when she got married, became an instant aunt to 23 nieces and nephews. And, you know, we were given a time limit as to the length of life for our child, but she was not the first of that generation to die. That nephew was. Died when he was 16 years old in a tragic accident. We had a time frame that we got to deal with. My sister wasn't given that. When her boy left him, her that morning, he said, love you, Mom. And that's the last time she saw him alive. I'm just simply saying, can I not look back and see the hand of God? 
the things he's done, the way he's moved, the sadness, the good, the good, the ups and the downs, God has always been there. And I need to see that. The Lord is at hand. Why do we fight with verse 6? Rejoice or in it, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Why do we fight against that? Be anxious for nothing. Well, we know what the scripture says, so we change our words. I'm not anxious. I'm concerned. I'm not concerned. I'm anxious. Be anxious for nothing. God is in control. Yea, we have the good and the bad. That's part of life. We learn that in life. But he's still in control. And how he moves in this world, I do not know. The scriptures tell me that he does. That he moves in the lives of the ungodly. In accomplishing his will. Why am I anxious about what I see unfolding? Why do I not trust him? But in everything. Everything, whatever it is, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. How many times do we express that gratitude to God? Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for being in my life. Thank you, God, for giving me a spiritual family that cares and is, and is concerned. Because when I'm able to do that, it's verse 7. You ever claim the promise of verse 7? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's a peace that God gives that surpasses all understanding. And when I'm, able to when I'm able to claim that, when I'm able to acknowledge that, it guards the mind. I don't know, excuse me, <laughs> I do not know about you, but I've got a vivid imagination. I can dream up some wild, wild things. And I can think of all kinds of scenarios that can unfold at any given moment. And there are some things out there that really make you stop and think. You know, you drive the highways here in the Metroplex, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I mentioned before, I was counseling with an individual who literally, figuratively, literally fought demons while he drove his car. I mean, he would swing at them with his hands and, his, and, and you know, swinging at get him out of the way. He's driving a car. I met him a time or two on the road. <clears throat> it's scary. That's one I know about. <laughs> now, how many out there I don't know about that are doing basically the same thing? I'm simply saying... The mind is vivid. It can imagine all kinds of things. Anticipation is just tremendous, if you will. And most of what we anticipate never comes to pass. But if I have a peace with God, if I have the peace of God, 
it guards my mind and it guards my heart through Christ Jesus. Again, what do I have to fear? God's with me. God's in control. God loves me. He's protected me. He's given me promises. He keeps his word. What do I have to fear? It guards the mind and it guards the heart. I have the ups and the downs, but they're only temporary. They're gonna, they're, it's going to go on by. You do what you can do, yes, but you trust God. All I know, again, as we said so many times, all I know, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. As the song says, if heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? Make heaven your home. If heaven's home is easier not to get attached to this world. When you're the stranger and when you're the pilgrim, you understand that you're just passing through and it's not long-lasting. It will swiftly pass. I think about that when I spent my time in Germany. It was a foreign language to me, Helga. <laughs> May not been to you. But German, I, I happened to be fortunate and had a very good friend who spoke fluent German. So he, I ran around with him. So I didn't have to learn German. But I'm saying when you're in a land where they do not speak a language that you understand, there does come a time when you get homesick. I live in a world, and I promise you, they have a language that I do not understand. They have a mindset that I do not comprehend, nor do I want to, because it's not home. But is the language of God's word, is that your native language? Is that the language you're accustomed to? Is that the language that you draw comfort from? Is that the language that gives you peace in this world? We talk about being with people of like precious faith. Is that true? There's a fountain free. Tis for you, tis for me. It is a fountain that is open for all. But you have to come. You have to decide that's where you want to be. And you make that choice as you live. The decisions that you make now and the decisions you make when you leave here, decisions you will make throughout this week are determining whether you have come to that fountain that's free, that flows for you and it flows for me, or you let in it pass you by. God in his love and his mercy pleads with you to make a decision. If one is strayed to come home, if one is outside of Christ to become that child of God, to repent of the sins that separate, confess Jesus as the Lord, 
Obey him in baptism for the remission of sins to be raised to walk a new life. It's God's invitation. It is always open at any time. It is a convenient time for us to offer it at this time. So as we sing the invitation song, if you need to respond, indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.